this is Griffin, the pastor at Poplar Springs. Thank you for checking out our podcast. We hope the message inspires you and encourages you to pursue Jesus more this week. Also, be sure to connect with us on social media for more content. Enjoy the message. Last week, we talked about breakthroughs. Everyone say breakthrough. We talked about the idea of the Lord breaking through. David in this incredible story, they're in a battle, they're being attacked, they're, they're struggling, how are we gonna win? God, what do you want us to do? And God said, go out and fight. And they saw God break through in the battles that they're facing. We're praying that God will break through in the battles that you are facing in your life. Today's message is a little bit later in the story of Israel in 1 Chronicles chapter 20, and it's, it's a similar template. Today's a little bit repetitive, but it's an incredible view of, to me, a power that we see in the Bible of when you choose to fast, here's what God can do. When you choose to give up something for God, you're spiritually calling on him to move. I want you to feel in an Old Testament story that there is value to setting aside something for God to move. Maybe you didn't fast yet. Maybe you're just like, you're new today. And you're like, what are we talking about? Maybe you're just not convinced You could do it for 14 days. You could do a fast for three days. I don't really care. As a church, we're doing it for 21 days. But I just want you to see the value when you choose to do that. But last week, here's the three points I wanted to remind you of. Is number one, we identify our opposition and we face it. David faced the opposition that was in front of him. And every single person in the room, something is working against you. Something is heavy, something is burdensome, something feels difficult. We want to face whatever it is in our life that is coming against us. We want to know the challenges ahead of us. Secondly, we said we seek God first, and then we learn to listen. David inquired of God, and he wasn't going to go into the battle until God said, yes, go and fight the battle. Do you believe that this God that you worship and praise wants to speak into your life? Do you believe the Holy Spirit is so real he wants to guide and direct and convict and stop you and move you and show you where to go and how to lead you in your life? Do you believe he's that good and that involved in your life? So he said, we seek him first, God, where do you want us to go? How do you want us to proceed? Where do you want us to move? And number three, we trust that through a fast and through prayer and through seeking him, God will lead us to breakthrough. So that was David's story last week. And I think you see this. We have, uh, I, I wanted to mention, these speakers are completely blown out. We're not using our speakers. It's going to sound a little different. We may have issues. These are the Seth's personal speakers. But aren't we just happy to be able to worship in the room today? And so it may be different or a little bit challenging, but uh, we're moving forward and we're thankful for what God's done. <clears throat> I want to talk to you today about victory. Can you say victory? How many of you like to lose in your life? Silly question, right? Uh, I was thinking about the college football national title game, okay? And Georgia, did someone just groan? Yeah, it's very sad. Are you from Texas? You know what I mean? Like, really sad. So 65 to 7, the entire season building up 
to one moment, the underdog, TCU, going against the SEC champion. Some of you have already checked out, I'm sorry, sports, and it's like I'm going somewhere else, right? But you, they built it up, ESPN, national title, millions of people. I wonder if the, uh, the experience of winning was greater than actually the experience of that team losing by that many points. What was worse or what was more impactful, like Georgia winning for the second time or the absolute crushing feeling of being beaten that bad on national television, right? Another football that I'm very limited in my illustrations, I apologize, children in sports, that's all I have. If you're new, that's where I go with stories, okay? The L.A. Chargers last night, they're up 27-0 against uh, Jacksonville. Everyone thought the game was over. They had the win. They're on the road in Jacksonville. And slowly but surely, Jacksonville comes back, beats them 30 or 31 to 30. Game over. Long flight back to Los Angeles with a loss. There's this theory that psychologists have come up with that they've seen in people's life. I want to put it on the screen that the pain of losing is psychologically about twice as powerful as the pleasure of winning. And so we talk about sports and those types of things, but I want you to apply that to your own life. Nobody wants to lose in marriage. Nobody gets married thinking divorce is going to happen. Nobody wants to lose in parenting, right? You kind of expect to do well. You hope for your kids to turn out well. You hope for your family. No one likes to lose in their career and in their jobs. But getting a job slowly turns into getting the hang of things, but losing a job feels like more of a crushing blow, right? There's so many aspects of our life that we try to avoid losing. We want to win and we want to achieve success and all the different aspects of finances and everything you're a part of. But it just feels like when the losses pile up in our lives, the impact is great. We don't want to feel like a failure. We don't want to think that God is failing us. We crave victory. Yes, to win, but also to avoid the feeling of losing. And when I think about a fast, and when I think about what I think God wants us to, to strive for and to move towards in this idea of giving up these things for the Lord, we want to see God bring us to victory. The things in your life that you feel like you keep losing at, or you're losing people, or you're seeing devastation around you, or you're feeling certain things week after week after week, and you're tired, and you're exhausted, and you're burdened. It's like there has to come a time where we get so tired of feeling the losses that we need to go to the right source for victory. And I think the nation of Israel felt like that. They had this up and down good with God, not good with God, worshiping God, worshiping idols. And there was this constant, we're in a good place winning with God. But man, when God just pulls away because of their sin and because of their decision making, the losses were piling up and it was very difficult for the nation of Israel. They were struggling in so many ways. And in fact, their, their army had to go through so many battles. And I think if we stop and think about our own life, there are many battles you feel like you're constantly in. When you leave this room, many of you are probably going to have to go back 
into certain things that you're battling in your life. And so the question today is very simple. How do you and I find victory in our lives? We all want to win, and we certainly all don't want to lose. And it's not that we won't struggle, and we won't suffer, and we won't have loss. We, we lost a, a very dear person to our church this week, Mike Jessup, who will have his funeral today. And there will be struggles in this life. But I also think God wants to bring you victory. And I think he wants us to, to realize what's the template and how do we approach finding victory through the power of God in our life. So let's go to First Chronicles, excuse me, Second Chronicles, chapter 20. This is the back end of the nation of Israel and there are different kings leading them. Now is Jehoshaphat leading the nation of Israel. He's a few generations removed from King David. He's in the line of David. But I gave you five points on your bulletin, and we saved you time. They're filling the blanks if you want to follow along. This, to me, from this story is a template to pursue victory in the Lord and how we approach God to call on him to bring us victory that we cannot find ourselves. So here's verse 1. There's quite a few scriptures we'll walk through together. It says this, After this, the Moabites and the Ammonites, with some of the Meunites, there's a lot of ites, uh, just all of that, they came to wage war against Jehoshaphat. So again, just like David, who was attacked by the Philistines, they are being attacked by an army. I just want you to think about war all the time happening. At any point, your nation just keeps getting attacked with war. That's what Israel's facing. Verse 2, some people came and told Jehoshaphat, the vast army is coming against you. And so you skip to verse 3. It says, alarmed, Jehoshaphat resolved to what? Inquire of the Lord. And he proclaimed a fast for all of Judah. And the people of Judah came together to seek help from the Lord. And indeed, they came from every town in Judah to seek him. Now, this could be the sermon right here, because you see news stories and you get news about family or friends or your health or situations or bad things happen at work or lightning strikes your church. And you probably heard like the church is on fire and probably thought the worst this week when you heard that, as we do, the fear comes when we're alarmed. What is the response? Because the normal is to be fearful and to be overwhelmed and to be stressed and to try to do what you can do. And so Jehoshaphat, I love this insight. Same way David did it last week. When he's alarmed, what does he do? He stops and he seeks the Lord. He has this relationship with God that's so real and so tangible. Say, God, something happened. You see it. You, you know. God, I have to come to you. And there's so much beauty in that because I think, let alone is God going to give him answers, but I think there's so much peace and there's so much comfort that you and I can find as believers that we have a God that knows what we're going through and wants us to come to him as a good father would. And so when you're alarmed in your life, how do you respond? Jehoshaphat, he calls a fast and he brings the people together. So how do we find victory in our lives? Number one, and this is a must. We express humility and total dependence upon God. And that's really what fasting and, and prayer is about. It's you coming to the end of yourself 
as a man or a woman, a husband or a father, a mom or a wife, a leader, a brother, sister, whatever your roles are in your life, is you realize there's only so much I can do. And for me to thrive, I have to lean on God constantly. I can't stop this army. I can't figure out the battle that I'm supposed to fight and the approach to, to overcome this. And it feels overwhelming and I'm alarmed. So God, I'm coming to you. And when I read this, maybe it's the season of life that I'm in with five kids and trying not to screw that up and mess up my children and wanting them to fall in love with Jesus and live a life that God's called them to. But whenever you think about parents, grandparents, what spiritual leadership looks like, that's it. It's when things get hard in your home and in your family, what do you do? You come together and you unify and you seek the Lord. Like, I think that takes a lot off the husbands in the room and, and the dads. Like, what does a male spiritual leadership look like? It's like, it looks like that. You don't have all the answers. You don't know what to do all the time. You don't have to have every answer for your wife or wives. You don't have to have every answer for your, your spouse. You probably have a lot of answers to get him better, but that's a different sermon. Okay, don't look next to you, right? But all, you don't have to have the answers. You say, we're going to stop and we are going to seek the Lord right now like I read that and I dream of our church that's what our homes look like when your kids are overwhelmed and the emotions are running strong you just bring us together and we want to spend time with the Lord and sometimes it's so challenging maybe you need to fast to pray to overcome certain things but what if we started to orient our minds in a spiritual way because the hits are going to keep coming the challenges are going to still happen what if we built families and homes where we were just centered around okay this is hard what do we do we pray and we inquire of God and we stop trying to figure out all the answers ourselves and we tap into this God who wants to love us that's humility and total dependence on God. And so what Jehoshaphat does is he's, he's the leader of the nation. They're looking to him for answers. And so he does that. He calls a fast. And then he just starts praying in front of the entire nation. Like he's just showing everyone, like, I don't know what to do. So God, you're up. And there's like eight verses where he starts praying and he's praying. He's just acknowledging God's power and who he is and his character and how much he loves him and all of this and what he's promised. And at the end of the, the prayer, look at this. I think this is a theme verse for some of you in your entire year. Verse 12, he says at the end of the prayer, our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. Look at this. We don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. I mean, isn't that like the story of your life? <laughs> I don't know what to do in this circumstance. I'd fix it in an instant. I'd figure out my job for my future. I'd figure out my retirement plan. I'd fix the stock market if I could. I would fix the recession and inflation. I would fix the issues in my family dynamics that are difficult. But he, in front of the entire nation, stops. He prays, God, I don't know what to do, but we will have our eyes on you. 
What if that was your year? That you're fixing your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith, to stay so strong in this walk with God, to stay so committed to the God who wants to lead you to victory. So number two, when you're alarmed and in a battle, how do you find victory? Is you look to the power source. It's the source we talked about last week, this strength that we find because Jesus died on the cross, rose again, went into heaven. He told his disciples something better is coming, the Holy Spirit, because then the spirit of Jesus can be in every believer. And you have this close, intimate relationship with God through the personal connection with the Holy Spirit. Your body's now the temple of God, living and resting and dwelling within you. And so you have the access to God at all times in the midst of what you're going through. But can you be someone when, when you're, you're struggling to say, God, we stop. We don't know what to do, but my eyes are on you. It's a beautiful picture of a man leading his people to the right place. So we continue in verse 13. You see what happens when they fast and pray. Continues, all the men of Judah with their wives and children and little ones, they stood there before the Lord. In verse 14, then the Holy Spirit of the Lord came on Jehaziel, son of Zechariah, and the son of many people. Okay? The important part of that verse is you see this, there's a cadence with what happens. And I think a lot of times in our lives, we're trying to figure out as Christians, what's my role and then what's God's role? What do I do to connect with God so that I don't walk through this life alone, crushed by the things in life and overwhelmed? And so Jehoshaphat is so wise in front of his people. He's alarmed, he's struggling, he calls a fast, he unifies them, and he prays, humbles himself, I don't know what to do. And when he does that, who shows up? The Holy Spirit of God. In so many of the battles of our lives, the advice to give your kids when they're hurt, the way to come back from a fight with your spouse to say the right thing to move you towards restoration, to, to handle yourself well at work when you're overwhelmed and you don't know the answers to everyone's questions, is to humble yourself to the Lord so the power source shows up in your life and takes over the situation. So many Christians are tired and exhausted because we're walking without the Holy Spirit. And we're relying on our own strength and power when I feel like if our first movement is to be humble and to say, God, I need you. Show up. I'm waiting and I'm wanting and I want to go your way and I want your insight and your wisdom. You see right here, the Holy Spirit shows up and he gives wisdom and he gives insight. So number three is we put ourselves in environments where the Holy Spirit is wanted. And this is why as a church, we have such a profound role to play in so many of, of our lives. 
We're talking about life groups starting up. Last, last session, we had over 200 people in life groups and building community and building relationships, studying the word of God, opening up about life, making sure that you're not going through whatever it is in your life alone. And so now the, the signups are open. And of course, the enemy is going to find ways for you to feel uncomfortable or you're too busy or this life circumstance happened or I'm not really feeling it or comfortable talking about all of that. You want to find yourself as often as possible in an environment where the Lord is actively moving and working as you possibly can. So that he's speaking and moving and convicting and strengthening and using this person's story in a life group that they went through 10 years ago that you're walking through right now to give you peace and to show you that, man, we're going through similar stuff, but God worked there. You leave that room with hope that God can do the same in your life, right? You want to just find yourself worshiping as much as you possibly can in this room on a Sunday morning. That's why you want to build an environment in your home where this is just a building. The Lord wants to move everywhere in your life. Can you build a, a, a culture in your home where you're humbling yourself to allow the, the Lord to show up constantly in your life? Why? So the losses in your life don't keep piling up. And you get into a place where the more you lose, the more you pull away. And the more you're crushed and the more you're overwhelmed. When in fact, the more you lean into the Lord, the more likely he's going to show you a victory that he has in store in whatever way he wants to show you. So that was like a firm commercial invitation for life groups, if you didn't catch that, okay? We believe in community. And this is simply not enough for you and your faith to be built up and strengthened in your walk with God. Put yourself around other believers so that the Holy Spirit can keep moving and showing up in your life through so many different avenues. So the signups are out there. They're online on the website. Put yourself in environments where the Holy Spirit is wanted, where he's moving. So the Spirit shows up and listen to what they say to the people who are waiting word from God. He just chooses God to fall on these men. They speak. He said, listen, King Jehoshaphat and all who live in Judah and Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army. How many of you would love for the Lord to just come into the battle that you're facing to give you hope and to give you strength to face it, to, to calm the nerves that you have with the things you're praying for and the battles that you're facing? It says, for the battle is not yours, but God's. That's a, when you're reading the Bible, a pause and a circle and an underline. Because God is fighting with you and God is fighting for you. You might be in a battle that you've been in for years. God's ready to fight. God's ready to work. He may not take cancer away. He may not do certain things. Victory sometimes means going to heaven and living in all of eternity with him. He can do whatever he wants to do. But in this sense, the spirit comes on these men and they say, the battle is not yours, but God's. 
such a weight lifted off these people. He said, tomorrow, march down. Look at the intricate details the Lord gives. March down against them. They'll be climbing up by the pass of Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the gorge in the desert of Jeriel. Like he's just given so much clarity in how to fight the battle to get victory. Verse 17, you will not have to fight this battle. Take up your positions, stand firm, and see the deliverance that the Lord will give you. You don't even have to preach it. You just see it. Humility and dependence on God. Seeking him, praying, and fasting. God shows up, speaks directly into the battle that they're facing, and tells them before it even happens, victory is coming in your life. That's my prayer for every single one of us in this room. God is alive and active and moving. This is the Old Testament with Israel, but he is now fighting on behalf of his church to guard and protect, to protect from lightning strikes in your life and all those different things. He is working and moving in mighty ways. And we want to see it more. See the deliverance the Lord will give you. Judah and Jerusalem, do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Go out and face them tomorrow, and the Lord will be with you. Number four, how we claim victory, we receive our strength and confidence from him. It's nice for a pastor to give you a pep talk and to pray over you, and there's value in that and preaching and counseling and all those things and your spouse and your friends and all of that. There is nothing like the Lord showing up in your life, giving you strength and hope and wisdom in ways that only he can so that not only does he lead you to a victory in your life, you experience how real and tangible and alive he is right here and right now, that he is not done and that he's not just up in heaven waiting for things to happen. He is alive. Is that the God you're pursuing? Is that the God you're seeking? He wants victory in our lives. He wants you to leave these rooms and these meetings with strength and confidence. He wants to build you up. He wants you to find victory in your life. Will you humble yourself? Will you claim dependence upon him? Will you seek him in prayer and in fasting? Jehoshaphat was pretty incredible. It gets bad for him after this, which it always happens in the Old Testament because none of those people are perfect. It's all pointing to Jesus who will be perfect. And so he fulfills all of their shortcomings. But anyways, what he decides to do leading into the battle to me is fascinating. And I think it's what separates believers and non-believers is how you can walk into your battles. If we believe what he says and we understand the heart of God, you can face your greatest challenges with a heart like this in such a powerful way. In verse 18, and I'll skip to verse 21, it says, Jehoshaphat, when he heard the news, what the Spirit spoke through those men, he bowed down with his face to the ground. He worshiped God. And all the people of Judah and Jerusalem fell down in worship before the Lord. 
Man, when God speaks and when God moves in your life, you just bow down and you worship him. When God keeps a worship minister working two hours late on a Thursday, there's so much to that story. Stuff he was putting here, we had money to buy for, for probably eight or nine months. He just bought something specific this week, Seth did, and he was putting it in on Thursday because everything else was figured out, which kept him here for two hours longer. He was leaving in five minutes, lightning strikes. If he had been gone five minutes later, no one would have seen the flames engulf this church. I mean, God's incredible. We didn't want the lightning strike, but now we've seen God in it. Do you see that? And now we're walking away from that crazy night and all the trucks. And I think everyone who dreamed of being a firefighter was out here in the parking lot. I mean, there was sirens and lights everywhere like they were ready to roll. I'm walking away from that with a higher view of God through a battle we were in on Thursday night because he's protecting and he's watching over us and he's not going to let us go backwards. He's going to move us forwards. And so I'm walking away from a stressful evening worshiping God for how detailed he is in our lives. So even in the midst of your battles that you're fighting, you'll see God at work. And I hope we just have a heart. When God answers the prayers of your fast, maybe a month from now or a year from now, whatever it looks like, that your response is worship. And so in verse 21, after consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise him for the splendor of his holiness as they went out ahead of the army, saying, Give thanks to the Lord, for his love endures forever. Jehoshaphat decides to put the worship team on the front lines of the army. Why? Because the way we walk into battle is with worship. The way you leave this room to face whatever it is in your life is you go out in worship. You're praising this God who's fighting for you, who wants to bring victory, who wants to sustain, who wants to give strength, who wants to give wisdom. And you're believing that when I fast and pray and humble myself, God, you will show up. You are real. You are alive. You do love me. You are present. I believe in that. And so I'm going to worship you heading into the fights that I have to fight, knowing you are beside me and you are ahead of me and you are fighting with me and for me. Amen. Amen. We worship him into the battle. So number five, we walk into battle with worship. We walk into battle with worship. 